Hello, I'm Dan Whedon. Welcome to another edition of Unleashed the Podcast. My guest this week is Eric Pelton. Now, I interviewed Eric back in June for a special video series that I did called Unleashed with Dan Whedon. Eric is an expert in trademarks and intellectual property and branding. He's a trademark attorney based out of the Washington, D.C. area. Eric was my first guest for this Unleashed video series, and I wanted to go ahead and make sure that his great information is also available to all of my fantastic listeners. That's you. So please enjoy this episode with Eric Pelton on Unleashed, the podcast. Everybody, this is Eric Pelton. He is a longtime colleague and friend. And as a matter of fact, he is also my trademark attorney for the word Unleashed, which I, I couldn't believe was available. It was, and Eric helped me get it. And in fact, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today is the importance of trademarking your intellectual property, especially as, as we're recording this in the midst of uh, the worst global pandemic in, in over a hundred years and certainly of, of the modern era, uh, why it's become even more important. So Eric, first of all, welcome. And would you mind uh, just giving a little bit of a background on what you do and uh, how you help your clients? Yeah, thanks. So I'm based in Falls Church, Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C., a couple miles. And I launched my own law firm in 1999 to focus on uh, helping businesses protect their brands in an efficient and cost-effective, generally flat fee manner. And so during the last 20 years, I've had the pleasure and privilege of working with thousands of businesses, many of them small businesses, um, of all different types of backgrounds and industry sectors from consultants to real estate to restaurants to software, you name it. And I've had the pleasure of working with them to build, protect, enforce their brands. And of course, their brands are one of the most important assets that any business really can have. Well, Eric, you know, before we dive into some of my questions, I think one of the things that was a misconception for me, and it might be for many other small business owners and entrepreneurs, they think about this whole branding and intellectual property as for the big, the big players in the game, uh, you know, whether it's Starbucks or Costco or Amazon, I'm naming all of my local right. Seattle brand, right. but they think about that. They should also think about it for their own, no matter how large or small they are, right? Yeah. And in fact, I like to say it's actually more important for a small business because a big business can often afford to litigate or spend its way out of a situation if they get entangled in one that relates to a product name, a service name, a logo, a slogan. Whereas for a small business, you know, to face spending $10,000 on legal fees or having to rebrand their main product at an expense and obviously a hit with their customers um, is very, very traumatic. So the protection is even more important when you're a small business. This is like insurance for their right. brand, you know, to help lower the risk that they're ever going to incur 
those situations. And I'll, a really quick story uh, that you know about, I, I branded the term unleashed as relates to businesses and, and, and presentations and programs and speeches and key, all of that, uh, any type of development training. And I'd found out from a client that uh, another consultant, uh, another speaker was giving a presentation and the title of his speech included the word unleashed and it was around business and leadership, which is, is my brand. And so long story short, I, I called you and I said, I, I need to protect this. What do I do? And, and uh, you're kind of, why don't you email them first? Why don't you, why don't you, before you go into a whole lot of things, why don't you check with them? And I did. And he was great because he had his own trademarks and brands. He said, oh, I see it perfectly. I'm going to call right away to the conference and have them change the title. And, and we actually uh, started a, a, a fun little relationship after that. The, the point was, is that I had worked so hard to identify my brand that a client recognized that brand and said, oh, this isn't Dan speaking, something's wrong. That's the importance that you were just talking about, right? Right, so number one is in communicating to your clients, your customers, when you use the arm of the circle, when you've protected your brand, it shows them that it's something that you value and cherish and treasure and that you've taken the time and the money to protect it. So. It, it makes the brand stronger connection with the customers just based on that alone. And then from a practical standpoint with those disputes, like you mentioned, the fact that you were able to show, I've already taken the steps to register this. The government has already sort of blessed it, right? By giving right. me the registration, assigning it a number, here's a public record. The other um, person that you're sending it to then knows that, okay, this person's serious about this. They've already spent money and time to protect it. It's going to be that much harder for them to challenge it or deal with that dispute. And so it makes resolving a situation that much more likely to be quick, to be inexpensive, to be you know more efficient. So one thing, again, I now have all these questions come in. Speed is important to get this done. If you have an idea, if you have something that you've put out there that you think you're going to run with, and I'll use me again, I, I'd use this unleash and I was going to keep, keep uh, working with it. You shouldn't wait because it's not a short process. You shouldn't wait to at least start the process to see it's not terribly expensive, but getting there first <laughs> is important. Correct. Establishing that public record of filing is important because you start getting some rights as of that filing date. The process as a whole takes about a year on average because the government is not quick and there's a variety of hurdles. And <laughs> Especially today, the right? They're, they're really not quick today. Well, actually, we're lucky that the trademark office was operating um, a lot of people work from home already. They have a great oh. telework program and all of the filings are electronic. And so they have not had to do a tremendous adaptation. Got so it. I'm not anticipating that it will really slow things down. Uh, for applicants now. But again, the important thing is to start the process to get that filing date. It doesn't really matter necessarily how long it takes. And something important that a lot of people don't know is that you can actually file an application. Say you have an idea this week and you're planning to launch a program in the fall. You can file for the name of that to protect the start the trademark protection now before it's even launched, before you have a website, before you have a sale, before you have a customer, you can file the trademark application based on what's called intent to use the name. Mm. 
and start the process extra early because if you waited until the fall in that scenario, you run the risk that in the interim over the summer, somebody comes up with a similar name and files or starts using before you and they could actually pull that name out, you know, out from under the rug from you. Yeah. Here's my quick thing. Believe it or not, people think about the same things you do. You're not the, <laughs> we're not the only ones that come up with these brilliant ideas, yeah. right? Hey, you know, we, we just mentioned, we're, as, we, as we record this in May of 2020, and hopefully people will be watching this all, all the time in the future, COVID-19 is, is still, uh, we're, we're deep into that. Uh, talk about how brands have been impacted by this COVID-19 crisis? Yeah, so uh, thanks for asking that important question. You know, obviously every sector of the economy, every business, every brand is at a minimum affected, probably suffering, adapting to new work techniques, things like that. So that's affecting all businesses, but in the way that they handle it, in the way that a brand is managed, which the brand is really the persona that reflects on customers, right? So when you say Nike or Amazon, it's more than just a product, right? It's a whole feeling about what their attitude is, what their values are, what the quality of their products are. All of those things are wrapped into the brand. And so you're seeing some brands do a great job managing the crisis and communicating with their customers and, Um, adapting and doing things while you're seeing some other brands that are really um, poor communicators or burying their heads in the sand. And that's going to cause a lot of damage. The ones who are doing a great job of managing their brand, I think are really going to be best positioned as we transition out of the crisis and into a growing economy again, they will be far better um, prepared because of that relationship with their clients and their customers to resume growth as easily as possible. And to that end, one of the things that you and I talked about prior to, uh, prior to this uh, interview was something that I found to be really intriguing. I have been talking to my clients ad nauseum about innovation because as we move into a brave new world, uh, the Roaring Twenties are going to be a different Roaring Twenties, I think, than we anticipated. As we move into a world where physical distancing may still be in, in play for, for a while, and even after vaccines come, may not change. So a lot, of, a lot of the innovation that we're doing now needs to stay on. Some of that innovation, if not all of it, <laughs> might need some new looks as far as trademarking, registering, uh, new names, new, new developments, if you're doing trainings or, or if you have a product, some of this might, you, that you just created, it might need to be, to be protected, insured, so to speak, moving forward. Can you talk about that? that yeah, I think that's a really important point. Um, in times of crisis, we actually see, I think, a surge in innovation right? As people are confronted. I mean, this is also part of the American ideal and our entrepreneurial spirit, right? And we're going to um, not only just make the best of this challenge, but find new ways of doing things that, you know, maybe we'll look back and say, wow, why didn't we think of that 10 years, 20 years earlier, right? And the potential for, like you say, tele-delivery of services, energy efficiency, 
all kinds of industry sectors. And I'm seeing lots of clients come to me already with innovations, with new programs, new products or adaptations on existing programs. And so whenever they have new uh, brand names or expansions of their line of services or products, right. those are intellectual property that they're creating and they should examine what needs to be done to properly protect it. So we have been busy filing a lot of trademark <laughs> applications, believe it or not, over the last month for clients that are adopting new things and, and you know, growing or, or adapting in innovative ways. And I expect that that will continue um, for quite some time. So Eric, if somebody watching this might say, you know, I'd never thought of that. And Dan just said it's fairly inexpensive, but what does that mean? Can you talk about two things? Number one, the process. I got an idea I'm going to move forward with that. I want to give Eric a call. What is the process? How long, I guess three things. How long does it take normally? And how much should I expect to, to pay for it? Right. So First, when you have an idea, there's three main areas of, of uh, intellectual property protection. There's trademark, copyright, and patent. So just to briefly dissect them, copyright protects original work. So this video recording, you will own the copyright on and nobody can you know, use it or edit it without your permission. And I don't have to do anything other than put the little C there, right? That's right. Just by publishing it, <laughs> some of the protection attaches automatically. Okay. You can register it to enhance the protection, but we'll save that for another sure. day. Um, but copyright protects content. So whether it's written word, books, movies, film, podcast, art, visuals, sculpture, all of those things are copyright. Patent protects inventions. So usually, traditionally, those are machines, right? right. Um, and, and new ways of building and making things. However, there are some patents that also apply to software and to other things that aren't traditional physical machines, but patents are um, related to protecting those items and their protection is limited in terms of the lifetime and, and their registration process is generally more complicated and more expensive. So you're looking at spending many thousands of dollars to protect a patent. I'm not right. discouraging anyone from protecting patents. If you have potentially patentable innovations, you should talk to a patent lawyer immediately because there's also timing requirements. And then trademarks, as I mentioned at the outset, are your brand names, your logos, your slogans, things that identify your products or services and distinguish them from your competitors. So airlines, we could think, you know, there's Delta, United, JetBlue. Those are all brand names and trademarks. Their slogans like fly, fly the friendly skies right, and you right. can imagine their logos. Those are all separate trademarks because they identify their brand and their services. To protect a trademark, as I said, it takes about a year, but the important thing is to start the process. And in terms of costs, the government charges a filing fee that's basically going to be um, about $250 for a simple application. And then while you're not required to have an attorney, it's, of course, I'm biased, but I recommend <laughs> that you have an attorney. I do too. I recommend, I recommend Eric as a, way, as a matter of fact. <laughs> it is complicated. It is lengthy. But so you're looking at spending about $1,000 on legal fees. And, you know, there's a lot of options. You could spend less. You could spend more. It depends what level of service you want. Um, but well, and I guarantee you this. 
uh, you'd spend a lot more of your valuable time trying to trying to deal with all of that. I, I know that for for without without a doubt. So I think it's important to have that type of guidance, that type of knowledge. Uh, you know, basically having an expert take care of that for you. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you, of course. <laughs> I mean, I've I've registered more than three thousand trademarks for clients, so I've learned. I'm always still learning a lot. And by the way, how long does a registered for twenty years? Yeah, how long does a registered trademark last? Obviously, it has to be renewed. The registration right can last forever. So some registrations are over a hundred years, like oh. uh, over a hundred years old, like Coca-Cola and Budweiser's. You know, been around for for many, many years. And, but they do have to be renewed. Generally, once you get the registration, the first filing is due after five years to show that you're still using it. Then there's a renewal due after every 10 years, at the 10th anniversary, the 20th, the 30th. And it costs a few hundred dollars to renew it. At that point, the business has obviously been sustained if you're looking to renew it. And, you know, it's generally a great value to continue that protection given what's been invested in the brand. So one, as we kind of wind down a little bit, one final question as far as once you've got the registered trademark and, and the differentiation is the, the circle R versus the TM. I, right. I, and, and, and you can talk briefly about that as well, but the protection part of it that I learned from you was you have to make sure that that little R, and I'm sure there's a more formal name than the little R, but the little R or the TM uh, is on everything that you're using that word with in order to protect it. Uh, and then even I started using Unleashed as a registered trademark at Toro Consulting Inc. at the bottom of it because yeah. that goes to show somebody looking at who's looking at it, oh, this is off limits. So if you stop doing that, you actually jeopardize all that work you did. Am I, did I hear it? Yeah. Did I, did yeah. I learn from you correctly? <laughs> well, so it's not a legal requirement that you use the symbol, but it is a good idea. Okay. You will see some very large companies like Apple almost never use the R with a circle. I call it the circle R. It doesn't have a formal <laughs> name, believe it or not. Um, they almost never use it for stylistic reasons, right. but you know, they know that they can afford to dispute somebody over the ownership. Right. When you're a small business, especially, it's valuable to use it to show people that it's protected to help. If somebody even has a glint of an idea of, oh, right. maybe I could borrow this, the R with a circle might you know, warn them enough that they change their mind. And again, it also communicates that strength and investment to your customers and clients which is valuable. So R with a circle, once it's registered, before it's registered, you want to use either TM, if it's a product, a physical product, like uh, a phone, a bicycle, a um, flag, you would use TM. If it's a service, like restaurants are providing services, websites and podcasts are providing services, right. then you use SM, which stands for service mark. You'll find that a lot of people don't really get that distinction and they use TM regardless and it's not the end of the world, but technically those should be SM for service mark. Okay. And, and as we come to a close, I'm going to give you a, a final word to talk about you. You obviously are in, in, in uh, the Washington DC area. K-P-E-L-T-O-N. There's a contact us on there or uh, they can find me on social media, LinkedIn, everywhere. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm always pushing out 
new content, whether it's videos or podcasts or blog posts. Um, and I uh, love hearing from people all over the country and all over the world. I recently wrote a book, my first book that I published. Oh. It's called Building a Bold Brand. And you can find that on Amazon or at buildingaboldbrand.com. And in there, I talk a lot about choosing a name, making sure that it's available, the application process, and all of the tips and tools that I've learned from my clients and from building my own business over the last 20 years to help build and sustain a strong brand. This has been another edition of Unleashed, the podcast. This was my guest, Eric Pelton. We recorded this back in June of 2020 uh, for a special video series that I did. And today I want to share it with you on the podcast. If you have any questions about trademarks or intellectual property, Eric Pelton is the guy, ericpelton.com. For right now, I want you to make sure that you subscribe anywhere that we are on podcasts. That's Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Amazon Music. This has been another edition of Unleash the Podcast. I'm Dan Whedon. Thanks for listening.